welcome to the Eclectic Collection. Today's episode 103, to the point, maybe not the point you're thinking about though, talking um, unicorns. So I feel like there's been a big resurgence in unicorns lately. Not that they didn't always exist. Well, okay, so they don't exist. Spoiler alert. Narwhals do, and you got that song that I'm sure you can click on YouTube and find, but um, unicorns were kind of happening when I was growing up in the late 70s and the 80s with uh, Rainbow Bright kind of made the whole bit exciting, and then My Little Pony was like a, a line of stuff going on, so you saw a lot of horses and and, and unicorn-type stuff, but I feel like there's a mass resurgence in it lately, and I don't even know if it's from like just the idea of mythology becoming a big thing lately. You had the whole, over the last several years, you've had the whole bit with Game of Thrones. So you've got like dragons and lore. You've got the whole um, series with Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So I, I, I just feel like there's a lot of fantasy and uh, mythology. Whereas back in the day, it was pretty much like Willow and Legend. You know, that was like it. <laughs> and I was terrified, by the way, of the uh, Tim Curry character in The Last Unicorn. And if you want Nightmares watch that movie, but I don't recommend it. So what is a unicorn in case you live in a box? The unicorns are basically legendary creatures that are described uh, from really antiquity. They go back to the 8th century BC um, and they uh, go all the way up to 5th century AD as like the first bout of seeing them, hearing about them. And they're based um, in the idea of, obviously, like I said, they don't exist, but like a large uh, horn pointed spiraled uh, projection, if you will, from the head of what is seemingly a horse, although sometimes they just call it a beast. But I mean, for my purposes, it looks like a horse. Now, you can argue Pegasus, although not a unicorn uh, from the Greeks, but here's the interesting part the, there's really no mythological reference to unicorns. So that's kind of interesting because a lot of this stuff tends to cross over. And you don't see it. Unicorns appear in European literature and art. And it's really just been thousands of years as this depicted white horse, kind of sort of a goat-like animal. But again, I go with the horse theory. Uh, Long straight horn, that's that. And cloven hooves, sometimes a goat's beard. I can't say I've seen a unicorn with a beard. But again, in art, it could be depicted anyway. So Middle Ages and the Renaissance, it really became a woodland creature that they just thought was common and ran around. And that was that. It was never a uh, bad thing. It was always a symbol of purity and grace. So it was supposed to be um, a a good omen, a benevolent creature. It wasn't anything that was going to harm you. Um, Encyclopedias, which is funny that they would even, do you know what an encyclopedia is? Because I have them. I still have them. And yes, they're from the 50s. So I think the information might be outdated. But back in the day, man, when you needed info, you went to an encyclopedia. I digress. So encyclopedias claim uh, that the horn was described as having this power to render poisoned water potable and heal sicknesses. So people wanted to, you know, get a hold of them or take the power of the horns. Unicorns are actually not found, as I mentioned earlier, in Greek mythology, but they come up in more of a natural history situation, which is just funny because, again, I think of Pegasus right away. Although Pegasus was a winged horse and he could fly, he did not have a horn. So, again, go reference your class to the Titans. Oh, and by that I mean the 1980 version, definitely not the new one. Ew. Sorry, Sam Wooderson. Um, Greek writers of natural history were convinced that these were real, they were actual horses or goats or whatever you want to call them, but real beasts, and that they believed they lived in India 
and was a distant and fabulous realm for them. And we're talking like ancient Greeks. So obviously transportation was not as easy at the time. So there was this whole mythology even surrounding other lands. Although I have to say, having gone through um, Epcot many times in the history of communication in the world, I don't see unicorns making a cameo. Anyhow, uh, depending on the writer, the artist, however it was depicted, the unicorn has a lot of other written appearances and they all seem to depict this horse-like creature and the single horn. So they're kind of coming together on on their ideology. Um, the horn itself and the substance it was made of was allegedly called alicorn, which is dangerously close to acorn. So don't, don't eat acorns and expect alicorn. Supposedly, the horn has this magical and medicinal property, so people were after it. And then people would sell, much like the snake oil theory, they would sell false alicorn powder, which was supposedly made from the tusks of narwhals, which, hey, they make a cameo because I didn't even know they existed until I was like 40, um, or horns of various animals. So they were sold in Europe and, again, for medicinal purposes. Now, this is clearly a placebo because nobody was actually catching a unicorn because they don't exist, and they weren't able to crush up this powder. Um, the alicorn was thought to cure a lot of diseases, have this ability to detect poisons or reverse it, and physicians actually made up quote-unquote cures to sell them. So people thought that if you had alicorn powder, you were going to get better on whatever it was. Um, cups were made from alicorn for kings and given as gifts, and supposedly it was made of, real in reality, ivory or walrus ivory. I imagine they didn't really, depending on the uh, area, have elephant tusks. Uh, it depends. But walruses were more commonplace to find in the water. Um, and entire horns were considered uh, precious in the Middle Ages and were really, you know, narwhal tusks or walrus tusks. And they were just placeboing these and lying about it. Um, still a very popular part of European culture today. A lot of family crests and flags utilize a unicorn. I mean, mine doesn't, but... Then again, I'm Italian, so most of your crests and things that you find, uh, not that, uh, well, everybody, there is supposedly family crest for everybody, but I feel like that's a very Anglo-Saxon kind of a thing. You usually see it in Europe with, um, you know, England and, and Scotland, Wales, Ireland, um, more so that, that I have seen. Um, they're used, and a lot of times, you know, just as a icon, if you will, for the family, which I never knew because I haven't seen one, but apparently it's very popular. And there's no attempt to prove that the creature is real. It's just accepted as a myth. But there are people and cultures that believe that it's, in fact, real. Um, so, you know, do you want with that? But uh, a lot of stuffed animals and little poppables and things that I've seen, unicorns are very... Um, popular especially with children's stuff not just in stories and, and art but coloring books and whatnot and sometimes you see um they might have like a rainbow or they might have a uh pink or purple or stars or stardust or pixie dust or whatever you want to call it but it's in reality it's just supposed to be denoting the magical nature of the unicorn so um beware don't buy snake oil and in this case don't buy unicorn tusks alicorn although not a real thing um, and again, stolen from walruses and whatnot. I do think that um, people did that as a means to an end to make people believe that it was from a unicorn. However, the really interesting point to me is that there's a parallel here to alicorn and alchemy. And they both ironically start with AL. So it's kind of got this Middle Eastern um, flair for words. I'm sorry, I'm just a, a linguist at heart. So 
um, even though the uh, the ancient word or the, the um, you know backstory or the etymology the origin of uh, chemistry, which of course is a science looking, you know, we'd find the periodic table, we study the elements. Before it was chemistry and known as chemistry, uh, the Ottoman Empire really came around with alchemy. And the idea of alchemy was people looking for gold. So it was an unobtainable thing that they didn't realize at the time they had to mine, mine as an ore. So people tried to burn it, smash it, uh, light it on fire, freeze it, do whatever they could to take normal elements and find gold, make gold, because everybody's looking for gold. And although it's still a commodity, and obviously we've learned since then you can't make gold, a lot of the periodic table was like, oops, <laughs> hey, check this out. And they made things or found things or discovered elements because they were looking for gold. So much like that, here's this unobtainable thing, or at least gold's more obtainable, but here's this thing that they're looking for, um, literally the unicorn, chasing the unicorn, and they're making it up with other things uh, as a placebo. But interesting to me that both words start with an A-L, alchemy, alicorn, um, and alchemy was literally the study of trying to find all the elements to get to gold, and, um, you know, chemistry was born. So, unfortunately, we haven't come up with something great from alicorn, but I just thought it was a little linguistic note um, worth uh, putting together. If you like what you heard today, then check out eclecticcollectionpodcast.com or listen to us on your preferred platform. I'm Terry Tenaglia. Thanks for listening.